At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Monday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Venture Israel here with Joel Elkanen and Dennis Dick. A uh, busy show for a busy week. Uh, it, it is sort of the unofficial, or I guess official, start of earnings season this week. We're going to get the banks reporting, as well as the airliners, or a couple of them at least. Uh, so it is sort of the start of the first earnings season of 2020, so we'll kind of preview that. We have a lot of healthcare stocks moving today. The J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference is going on. Starts yes, started yesterday, goes until uh, tomorrow. Uh, so a lot of, uh, or, or Wednesday actually, so the uh, a lot of healthcare uh, names moving off of that. We have a merger of equals to discuss, a lot of ratings, upgrades, and downgrades this morning. The analysts are busy. So, as I mentioned, a lot to get to on our show. Our guest, uh, Ryan Craver, he's a retail expert, the founder of Commerce Canal. He will join us at 8.35 to give us his thoughts on retail. Uh, Joel, what's the word here overnight? We're supposed to get a trade deal signed, or at least phase one of deal signed this week. Oh, that that's history. We're just we're just talking about missiles in Iran. That trade deal thing is in the rearview mirror. Uh SAPs, we close rebounded immediately overnight. Your closing price on Friday, 6475. We're trading up 10 sticks from that. 78 and a quarter. Wow, that's your pre-market high. And that's just below your all-time high that we made on Friday at 3287. There's a nice target for you on the upside. On the downside, uh, mid-range is at right here at 32.72, so I call that soft support. Hold that, we'll still roll north. After that, that pre-market low, 65 and a half, right there by the the closing price. So your your early uh, area of support and resistance, crude in the red by two cents at 59.02, gold down 4.90 at 15.5520. Silver doing that dance above and below 18, down six and a half cents at 18.04. Bitcoin back over 8,000. Bitcoin futures trading $8,145. Well, Triple D, we're still here, right? Nothing, nothing major over the weekend, and the markets like it. Yeah, the market's just like everything, Joel. I mean, war, no war, it doesn't matter. The market goes higher. That's what we're in. We're in this bull market. Okay. A little pullback, give the bears a little bit excited on Friday afternoon. Ah, forget about it. We're just going right back up to the highs. The Groundhog Day around the market continues here once again. What What are your thoughts here? I mean, we've got a lot of news we're going to come into. So we do have some catalysts now. I mean, we're supposed to get a trade deal signed this week. We've got bank earnings coming, airline earnings coming. We've got this J.P. Morgan Health Conference. And then we just got the relentless bid in the S&P. So how are you approaching your trading week? 
Well, uh, I. Well, first of all, how did you approach your weekend? How did I approach my weekend? Uh, did you get on that Peloton? Uh, no. I got a call. Is it still being used to just hang clothes? It's, it's being used. It, well, Lisa's using it a lot more than me, right? I say she used it twice over the weekend. I got a couple swims in, so I did not. I did not get on the Peloton. That's gonna be my midweek thing. My midweek. We need break. to. Hey, here's an idea. We need to come up with a Peloton where, you, like, the tr- Peloton where you can swim in that thing. Like one of those swimmer tanks, Joel. How could we do that? They have those. Oh, they already have it, so they're, I'm already too they're, late. Uh, they're the uh, the waveless pools and stuff. I've oh, been yeah. in them. I've been in them before. But do they have an iPad attached to them? Uh, they do not have an iPad. Let's find the wave pool, attach an iPad to it, and we'll call it Peloton 2, and we'll uh, we'll be rich, and we won't have to do the show anymore. I think the, elect- the connectivity might be a little bit of a problem. Electricity and water don't mix? Yeah, People, I've seen people. Got to be ways that. around that. We get waterproof. We'll get a waterproof casing on it. A lot of people at the pool wear the uh, the iPhone headphones or whatever, but I don't. I don't because I like to talk to people and kibitz and you know. You like to talk to people. Give, give the lifeguards a hard time and stuff like that. So I don't. I don't wear those Apple things. But uh, so when you go to the pool, are you just swimming lengths or are you kind of chilling there for a little bit? Tell us about your. You would, know, you, would you like to know the first thing I do? Really, I do. I do you because really we here we know you go to the pool body. three times a week. I'm you trying would, to get fit. It's January. I want to get, you know, some inspiration here. I'm trying to figure out what to do for myself. So I'm taking in ideas here right now because right. the running is boring and I'm not very good at it. The first thing I do is, you know, you know, the backstroke flags, you know, have you ever seen like in the Olympics, the, the backstroke flags that go across the pool? Okay. I throw my goggles and I try and hook my goggles on the backstroke flags. So you, uh, and if I do, then I, I don't have to work out. And I go out for breakfast. How many times do you do that? Uh, since we moved over to the JCC, I've done it once in two years. <laughs> so, and, and, so normally and, you're, you're continuing. It's very hard to routine. do. But on Saturday, they bounced twice and then they fell off. But uh, no, I do. Oh, about, so you almost made it. I do about 2,000 yards, 80 lengths, two to two. To Joel is fit, I tell you. Yep. He was the last person that really needed a Peloton. You and Lisa, you guys are fit. You didn't Lisa need a Peloton. Lisa we wanted it. I need a Peloton. You do. All right. Well, 210 yeah. pounds. The 215 calls are in play here. I mean, it's tough. I need the Peloton. Would you? And maybe, you, that, maybe I should go get that because I have the treadmill in my basement. It's just boring. So, I'll, I'll, like I said, I bring the iPad over there and I feel like I've made my own Peloton. But, anyways, that's another story. All right. What do you want to talk about in the markets today? Well, let's go straight into the M&A. We got one deal here, apparently. It's, we were hoping for Merger Monday, like Spinner was saying. We got the J.P. Morgan Health Conference. Last year, right around this time, we got the Celgene Bristol Myers deal. We have not had any big deals here this morning here. We have a little deal for you, though. So what is it, Mr. Israel? And Mr. Yeah. Israel, how was your weekend? Oh, thanks for asking. My weekend was, was just fine. I, had, uh, I hadn't had a lazy weekend for a while. I was busy. I love ladies, weekend, lazy so weekends. This this was a lazy weekend. I watched uh, Chernobyl on HBO from came out last year. Watch that if you haven't. Uh, anyway, the small deal this morning, it is not in the healthcare space. It is in the defense. Woodward and, and the Hexel tickers are HXL uh, and WWD announced a merger of equals. Shareholders will receive a fixed exchange ratio of 0.625 shares of Woodward Common for each share of Hexel Common. So 0.625 is your ratio uh, for HXL 
HXL for, I'm sorry, WWD for HXL. So that's what you need to know. I just wrote that one down. Write it on your M&A sheet. Get a separate piece of paper if you like to know what is these deals and how to trade them. 0.625 is your ratio. So you can just quickly go the price of WWD times 0.625 will equal the price of, oh no, sorry, the price, I did it backwards. The price of 0.625, yeah, times the price of WWD will give you the price of HXL. So got it written down, add it to the M&A sheet. Okay, what else do we got though? Look, so, that sounds boring. Do you want to talk those stocks, Joel? I don't want to talk about this. Nah, I don't talk those stocks either. We'll just give it to you. So, all right, let's talk Beyond Meat. We'll start with Beyond Meat. We talked about the potential for a squeeze to 100. We talked about this a few days ago. That's why I say I'm not going to short this thing. I think long term, I kept saying I think it's lower, but I said this has the potential to squeeze it to $100. We got the potential. We got. We didn't. We don't have the potential anymore to squeeze to $100. We have in fact squeezed to $100. So at this point in time, is the squeeze over? Does it continue? Those are always impossible to say because these squeezes can go on for a while. All I would say is if you're trading this thing, congratulations, it's been a nice run for you. I would say I do not want to hold this in my long-term portfolio and I don't think I would be buying it up here now. Give us but there's news today. There's news. Uh, I wouldn't call it news. I, I, it's more, I would say it's more of a squeeze, but the, the headline well, all is... all a squeeze. The, the whole thing's a squeeze. The headline is the founder of a meat substitute startup uh, made some comment in China, made some comments that the entry of Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods into China would be huge for the industry. Uh, and would raise the profile of both of both companies. Just talking bullish about the the industry. I don't think it's specifically the reason the catalyst for Beyond Meat's move this morning. It's more of just a follow through of momentum from last week. I saw that Beyond Meatballs commercial over the weekend too. Oh, really? With the Stewart. Yeah, Beyond the Beyond Meatball sub at Subway. Because I, I don't know if they're bringing the calorie count down on that sucker, but that that meatball <laughs> sub at Subway, I believe, is like the most calories out of like any fast food food. If you Google it, it is like, you think, Oh, I mean a meatball sub. That's like the worst fast food thing you can eat. So I guess maybe they attacked that first, but you know, now you go to, you know, a meatball sub with beyond meat. You're not eating meat, but I still bet you the calorie count is still pretty high, but I did. Did you see that one Spencer yet? Martha Stewart pumping that beyond uh, meat. Um, no, meatball no, sub? I no, I haven't. <laughs> maybe I jumped that up, but I'm pretty sure Martha Stewart's involved in that. Is she not? Did I dream that up? Is that my dreams? Am I confusing dreams and reality? Did I become Joel? <laughs> um, did I make that up? I'm pretty sure I saw no, it. No, you're not a you're not a fit human being. <laughs> <laughs> now I have to Google it. I'm, ch I'm, ch I'm challenging whether this was a dream or reality. No, no, no. It, it, Beyond it's, no, it's, it's I'm real. pretty sure I'm right. It's real. Like yeah, yeah. There it is. Martha Stewart and the meatballs. So I really did see that. I don't really get the connection. Why Martha Stewart selling Beyond Meat meatball sub? But she did. Uh, you got a pop here. You're up uh, $3.83 pre-market high. Got two highs right here at 102.50, just under that. That's two and a half bucks away. Haven't been over a hundred bucks in quite some time. Uh, if things really open up here, I got two levels on the upside. Uh, before you had that disastrous Q3 report, you closed at 105.41. 
Next day, it closed at 81.99 and went on to uh, under seven or into the low 70 handle. Uh, 108.17 was the high before earnings day. I don't know if we'll see you know either of those levels today, but first stopping point is three and a half bucks away at 102 and a half. And the story's changed a little bit. What's interesting about this one is uh, the McDonald's things didn't really move it. It like went up to 90 and brought it down. But after they digested that information, uh, the next two days had a pretty good rally. So had a long consolidation. You're popping out of here. I don't know where your figure retracements and stuff. It's hard to just come in and short it. Yeah, yeah. Even if you hate the story or even if you don't believe in the valuation, which I don't believe in the valuation at all, the story has a little bit of legs here right now. So let them squeeze. You know, wait for that first big red candle. Wait for a double top. There's no reason to be here on say 100. It's going to be the top. Yeah, I mean, if why? you're trying to call a top, it could be. But again, I've lost a lot of money trying to call tops. Well, that's a nice Speaking move of calling tops, we have another Tesla. Another Tesla rating here this morning? We do. We do. Give us that rating. Oppenheimer is maintaining their outperform and raising their price target to $612. Now it's, just, now it's just a price target race. Who can, who, who can get to 1000 Because everybody's up by now, so now you just have to raise right. up the price targets. But, but, but the price target was 385 Yeah, so what if I sold it at 385 what do I do now? Do I buy it and sell it at six twelve? Apparently, they're saying that they think it's going to six twelve. But what if I already sold it at three eighty five? Well, uh, they're saying they're saying to re, I guess rebuy it at four eighty nine. Buy it at forty nine, sell it when it gets sell it six twelve. They're saying that's how you make your hundred twenty bucks. Really? I will tell you that I am somewhat skeptical because you put in that little the four the five hundred is big. We're going to go up here once again, but you have a couple of people who were spooked from the last couple of days here. So sorry, Oppenheimer. I'm not going to get on board on this until we can take up the 500. You now actually have a resistance point here in Tesla that you can lean on. We haven't had a resistance point for a while. So we can lean on that 498.80 high from two days ago, which coincides with the 498.49s, a lot of numbers there, uh, high the day before. So I would say is if we can't get up, take out that 500. We could have a slippery slope where we could give this back. So I'm not buying this thing up $11. I think it's a gift to the longs short term. Still long term. Hard. I think the story still has a lot of room on the upside. But short term, this is overbought. It tried to come off the last couple of days. Let's see what it does. Gets up there, takes out 500. The party will be back on. But I think you do have a few longs here that might lighten up into this rally that may have said, ah, you know, I, I just watched 20, you know, the stock go down 25 points in one day last week. Now I'm getting a lot of that back. Maybe I'll lighten up. Uh, trading at the highs of the pre-market session, 489.40. We're through the uh, mid-range here of the bounce from uh, 98.80 to 68.23. That comes in at 483. So looks like we're going to post um, a close above that for the first time uh, in the last couple of days. You didn't do it. The, you didn't do it on Thursday or Friday. Again, Dennis gave you the double top here at uh, 98.49, 98.80. To me, if I was trading this thing, boom, 92.14, all-time closing high. That's where I want to see it close above today. Not necessarily having to take out that 98 and change, uh, but if you could post in a new all-time closing high. Uh, got a little analyst battle going on here. The, uh, you know, the double downgrade last week took a while for it to uh, kick in. Uh, but as far as like paying attention to, you know, Colin here, raising the target from 385 to 612, um, that's not going to be part of my trading plan. Uh, Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer, what did I say? Colin. Colin, okay. 
So we have this JP Morgan Health Conference that's kicking off here. Do we have any headlines from this yet? Just give us the details yeah, for the conference. Not, it starts today big. and goes, what, for three days? Yeah, it starts today, uh, goes uh, through Wednesday. Nothing big yet, which is a little bit surprising. Remember last year we had two huge deals. Yes. We had the Bristol-Myers Sojin and we have the Eli Lilly Waxhaw uh, Oncology deal. Both announced at last year's conference. And, I've, and wasn't the year before – uh, Gilead and Kite, it may have been. So this. So is we a- often do get a deal here. I mean, if you're trading healthcare, anything you know, in the drug sector here, you got to be somewhat careful. You know, just fading random, you know, moves here because there yeah. could be somebody saying something. There could be, you know, obviously anything happening. This goes on. I believe, uh, just looking here, I believe it's almost all day. I think it actually goes till 6:30 at night. I'm just looking at the schedule here now. Yeah. So 13th to the 16th in San Francisco. Yeah, so just keep an eye on on your movers. There's going to be a lot of drug stocks uh, moving, uh, announcing uh, guidance figures, announcing drug trial results. Uh, keep an eye on your pro because, and a lot of them are, are smaller names. Nothing, nothing too big has come out of the conference yet that I've seen, uh, but there are a lot of headlines uh, st- starting, I think, even last night. And just do they do some press releases though before? Yeah, they're all in PRs. Yeah, but so. uh, they're also they're in PRs that are that are released in conjunction with the conference, and they're presenting. Like, there's a possibility something could get said before a PR comes out too, though. Correct? Like sometimes they're just you know releasing stuff, yeah. and somebody might say yeah. something too up there. I mean, when you got you know you got you got CEOs speaking on stage, it's yeah. possibly that something could always be said there. And that takes a little time. You know, when something's spoken, it takes a little bit more time to filter through. The high freaks aren't all over. They're not as good on the speaking stuff as they are on the PRs. Because we know they're all over the PRs in one, two milliseconds. But the speaking stuff's a little trickier for them. If you're good at listening to these conferences and interpreting what these guys are saying and how it's going to impact the stock, go right ahead. It's hard. Really hard. I mean, it's, I think I'd be more not, not being a contrarian, but uh, you know, if something, if I was long and had an unusual spike and it went to my target or a resistance area, I might be, you know, more apt to sell into that. Uh, But if it's something, Oh, good news on drug X, Y, Z, you know, chasing it into something like that i think you're, you're going to be way behind way behind the bots and on something like that. we're well, always behind the bots but we do what we can we try to trade around the bots as best we can so that's why i like trading the open because the bots are a little bit more um they're there but they're wider and they're not as involved so i don't have to worry they might about lose money dennis why would they, they don't like losing money yeah. nobody likes losing money well, i don't risk. like losing money either so can't really blame them less risk all right, so we got the J.P. Morgan Health Conference, but we also have Tuesday J.P. Morgan earnings, and maybe we should just talk about the banks for a second because here's your schedule and your lineup for this week of earnings. On Tuesday, we're going to get J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo, and Citigroup, and then we're also going to throw in the airline Delta. So it's always the airlines and the banks that kick off earnings season. Wednesday, we're going to get Bank America, Goldman Sachs, UNH, Alcoa, USB. Thursday, we're going to get Morgan Stanley, Schwab, BK. Um, we're going to get Taiwan Semiconductor. We're going to throw that one in there. And then we're also going to get Team, T-E-A-M. So you get a little bit of cloud in there for you, too. Friday's going to be Slumberjay, Fastenal, J.B. Hunt, and then a couple regionals. We're going to get STT and also SunTrust STI. So lots of bank earnings this week. Obviously, XLF is going to be moving around with that as well. Let's talk XLF first, and then maybe we can jump into the individuals, because XLF, is struggling at $31. Big time. 
couple tops in that area. Uh, did not reach it last week, but yeah, I'll use that. 31.04, Dennis talked about 31.08, and then a couple highs just under that in the last few sessions, 30.95, 30.98. So that's your, that's uh, what you need for another leg higher. And if you go to the monthlies here, this is uh, this is real interesting, I, I think. Uh, this is where you struggled in May of 2007. Dun, 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 dun. Struggled here mightily in May of 2007, and we know what happened after that, right? What exactly are you implying? Nothing. Okay. Nothing. It's been a good run for the bank, so let's, you know, Joel does make a good point here. Not that we're going to 2007, but um, when you do see, you come back to an area that you haven't been for a decade, and now you start to struggle in that area again. Makes you think, well, maybe you have a little, you know, retracement here of the most recent move. I mean, we went in October from 27, basically, to 31. You know, it's not out of the realm of possibility you could have a little cool off in the banks. And we have seen, it's all going to be about the earnings. But we know from a historical perspective here, it's like the banks report pretty good numbers. They rally in the morning and then they sell them off after the open and then they end up closing red. We've seen this happen so many times. I don't know if it happens again, but we're just saying there is some resistance point in, points in some of these that could set that up. Maybe this is going to break out. Maybe the XLF is going to break out because the bank earnings are just going to be so good that they're just going to buy banks hand over fist. That's a possibility as well. But I think we're going to know a lot more once we get the JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, and Citigroup on the first day. Because even when you look at the individual charts here, like JP Morgan, $140, snuck its head above it, think you're breaking out. No, not so fast. We'll pull the rug out from under you, and we're back down under 140 for the next six trading sessions. So that kind of looks a little toppy to me. When you look at Citigroup, well, you did the same thing back, and I'm looking uh, just going back to the, to the January the 2nd when the stock broke out, and they're buying everything, and it goes up to 126 Well, then it peels back for a few days. It tries to get back up there two days ago um, and gets up to 898 does not make a new high. That's never a good thing. Back under 80 So from a technical basis, that's worrisome. But that, with that being said, it's all going to be about the earnings Tuesday. And so the fundamentals are going to trump the earnings or, or, or trump the technicals. And if the banks really blow it away and they just start buying them, maybe they do break out again. But you have a few, a little bit overhead supply issue here, which will make it more challenging for the breakout. And uh, I'm just going to go back to, I mean, you got the driver uh, with earnings, right? But what about interest rates, right? Isn't that another major driver for the financial? Always. Yep. Based on Friday's information, little bit of miss on the jobs number. So doesn't look, I mean, the real interesting thing, you know, interest rates, where are they going in 2020? Are they going to go much higher? Are they going to go much lower? Or are they going to go nowhere? Like we've said here for like the past two years, three years, five years in a pre-market prep show, they, they're just not moving much. So catalyst has to be the earnings because I don't think it's going to get I mean, interest rates are not taking off anytime soon, at least based on that uh, December jobs report. Uh, but, you know, these things have had excellent runs. If you, you know, have some targets that have been met, take them out, you know, ahead of the earnings reports, knowing that it's at resistance. And, you know, if you feel you still have to be in it, do perhaps a little replacement strategy with some calls, and, you know, cheaper calls, even though you'll be paying a lot for the premium. But uh, let's see, Catalyst is earnings. You know, JP Morgan will move four, five, six bucks, you know, each way. I wonder what the straddle is. Can you have the straddle up on uh, 
on J.P. Morgan because that's a always grab a fast. Yeah, it's a pretty good move. If if you have it, I, like just guessing, usually it moves three, four bucks. So um, you know these, but the even option guys want you to pay a lot. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's even five bucks. Do you have it in front of you, Spencer? I'm bringing it up here right now. So no, looking from Friday's close because obviously the options aren't open here yet this morning. So the best we can do is go and look at Friday's close, and we'll go out to the weeklies and we'll look at J.P. Morgan. We'll see the one thirty six and. Well, I guess pretty well. Four bucks. Yeah. They're expecting about $4 move, and I'm just rounding it there and looking at the bids and the ass from the close. But it looks about four bucks. So that, that seems about right to me because that's what I would say. So I, I'd be more inclined probably to sell that straddle than buy because it's rare you see an $8 move or you know $6 move in a stock like J.P. Morgan. So, but it sounds like it's priced you know about correctly to me. One, though, the one that has actually been breaking out, and that's been the upgrades that have been helping it along, is Golden Sachs. It's going to report Wednesday morning. And GS um, has had a nice, you know, this chart is actually looking quite a bit different than the other big banks here. Uh, basically, because we've had two upgrades in a row, and I believe, if I'm looking here this morning, is there not another analyst? Yes, we have another upgrade here this morning on Goldman Sachs. Uh, this is coming from JMP Securities, and they are upgrading the stock to... Outperform outperform for market perform so uh jmp security they're putting a 290 pr price target on it so goldman sachs getting some more love again that's three days in a row or i, I believe it's close to at least three out of the last four days where we've had an upgrade goldman sachs gs uh trading up a buck one at 243.92 kind of a quiet range we're trading right at the Right at resi above resistance, you had 43.40 and 43.39. Those are your highs, the moves. That is support for now since we're trading above it. Not a lot of volume here. Back up to levels. Boy, on the monthlies here, you got to go back a long time. No monthly resistance here. <sighs> Next monthly high I have is from April of 2018 when it got to uh, 262 and a half. But uh, if you're looking for a target on the upside on this one, uh, just use your, you know, your average daily range. Probably in this, it's probably like four or five points. See if you can hold that early morning low and get yourself a potential target. Probably since we haven't seen a number like 250 in a long time in the issue, that could be a nice target on the upside today. We're also going to get Delta tomorrow. So just moving away from the banks, looking at DAL. And this is an interesting setup here too. Again, it's hard to do technicals ahead of an earnings report because we know the fundamentals jump the technicals every single time. But, you know, you can still get clues as to where stocks, you know, if they pull back, they might go to, or if they break out where they might go to as well, or if they're setting up good um, from a technical basis into the earnings. This is kind of just setting up below the 60. The 60 has been the hard line in the sand for this one for a while. Um, if you go back into September, we did get just through there at 60 and a half, but then we sold off significantly. We've come back. We struggled in December to get through 60. I've almost got to think, and I don't know if you're in the chat there, JB Spec. I don't have my book open yet, but I almost think there's got to be something perched at 60 at DAL. It just sets up when there's that many highs that close to an area. It looks like there may be a big seller perched at 60. If you're in the chat, JB Spec, uh, I'd love to know. Otherwise, I might have to go log into my book myself to find out, which I'll do right now. Yeah, the DAL holding up pretty well here. I did look. Does at that, that not look like there's a seller at the point? Uh, do, 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 do. let's when see. You look at that chart. Oh yeah. You know, oh yeah. Joel says yeah. Uh, it looks like there's a seller. Sometimes the charts will just tell you. You're looking a at sixty, or you talk about fifty nine and a half. Sixty. Mm. Well, I don't know. If there's anything fifty. I mean, from the last couple of days, you like the. Yeah, last I was looking minutes. at the sixty. 
Yep. Last three days, 50, 59, 40, 59, 47. I mean, that mean, you know, that doesn't mean that he might be selling half, you know, a big chunk at 59 and a half and then a big chunk at 60 um, as well. But uh, I, I see a seller, you know, right here. Last three highs. Is there, you should check to see if there's anything at 59.50 first. Well, I'm logging into my book here right now. Um, it looks like JV Spec maybe uh, is not in the chat here yet. Usually he chimes in right away. So yeah, maybe I'm logging in. I'm finding out. And when we talk about, you know, what, you know, if you're new to the show and you're like, what are they talking about? Seller at the point. You know, there's sellers everywhere. We're talking about, you know, a big institutional seller. When you see a stock that's failed at a level multiple times, just below a big psychological number like that, it could be that there's just a big institutional order there. If I'm guessing, I'm guessing, and without looking here, I'm logging in right now with I'm guessing there's 50 or 100,000 shares sitting there at 60 to sell. And what it does, it, it takes a lot of money to push it through that. So, you know, we're in this decimal laden world, you see 100 shares for share at sale here, maybe 1,000 here, 500 here. You get a spot where there's 50,000 or 100,000 shares, that becomes a major resistance point because it takes a lot of money to push it through there. It almost takes another big institution or a lot of smaller traders to have an amount of buying power to push it through there or a news event or an upgrade. Sometimes it even takes a catalyst. Now, obviously we're going to get the news event coming, but sometimes what you'll see is, you know, a stock and has a big seller there and it'll trade up initially, but then it's not enough gas. And then all of a sudden it comes back down through that number. Well, that seller that's still sitting there can still be a resistance point even after an earnings event. So if my system ever logs in, it's slow, 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 then I'll let you know if there's anything on the AL for uh, another that dynamic work, that I can see right yeah. now. Another dynamic. But it's, it appears it just doesn't want to work today. This whole computer here, you know, we love the AMD stock. I have three computers, two are Intel processors, one is the AMD processor. And I'll tell you, maybe AMD has improved their processors a lot in the last few years. This computer is going on three or four years old. So I probably should replace it. But this AMD processor is slow. And uh, also just going back when you're talking about taking out levels and whatnot, you know, where does the stock start from that trading day? Like today, if you did chew the 59 and a half and then you went up to 60, you know, that'd be up, you know, 50, 60, 70 point range in the issue. What's its average daily range? So, you know, you get a better shot at taking out those whole numbers at the point or on the bottom you know, when you bump up there for a few days and then boom, you get a running start into it. So liquidity open uh, tries to, you know, takes, take some of it, but uh, we'll see. I mean, well, first, like I said, for 59 and a half and then 60 baby folks lightening up uh, ahead of uh, the report, but considering everything that's going on with, you know, the Ukrainian airplane and, possible war and geopolitical concerns, uh, airlines are holding up uh, pretty darn well. Let's just take a look at Boeing real quick here. Just hanging out. Is this hanging out too long down here? Are you still staying? A little bit. I've said a couple times that I think Boeing's a buy, but it's hanging out here so long now. And Guy Dami uh, made a good point like a year ago on Fast Money when he's watching. He's like, you know, stocks hang out, you know, at the bottom this for this long. They usually don't give you a chance to buy the bottom for that long. So usually means yeah that's a good point and i i've been saying i think boeing you know could be a buying here you have huge support to lean on but it's hung out here too long now and that's what would concern me so if i was in the boeing and you know i was saying this right around the same price i'd probably be more concerned now because we haven't and, and every time we got out of here in the last couple of days we got sucked right back down so we keep getting sucked back down to this level it's telling me that there's you know obviously too much overhead supply for the stock to break out at this time it's going to take a news 
frenzy vent or something else to get it out of here because it just does not want to go. Even when we get on these, you know, a few headlines like the ones where, you know, obviously the missile, you know, they, they're blaming the missile now as in the Boeing uh, factor than the recent plane crash there. You'd think that would be really good news for Boeing. Well, it's come right back down again. So it's not getting out of here. It's concerning to me. Yeah, very. I mean, you could just look going back uh, since this uh, since this uh, crisis has started. Uh, when you dip down to 330, 340 in June, bam, back up there. You dipped again in mid-August, bam, right back up. You went down there in at the end of October, bam, right back up there. And now you're again. So this is this is the longest it's hanging, it's hung out um, in this area. But the good thing about it, you know, is you know. You know, if you're training this thing from the long side, uh, you know you're out here. You can see what happens at 320. But, man, I, it also, just ahead of 320 here, if you're a shorter-term trader, I'd even keep an eye on 328. Uh, we dipped under 330 one time last week, and then the low from last week is rated uh, 328 also. So if you want to play it a little bit closer to the belt up, uh, I'd say your major supported uh, 320, but you got to respect that 328 is support right now, four bucks above it. I, I, I'm concerned from the long perspective on it. Let's uh, go back to Delta and I'm guessing right, 57,000 shares. I opened up the book. So it's exactly 57,000 shares at 60. I thought 50,000 or 100,000, it's 50,000. So we do have a big seller there at the point. And the math says that takes a lot of money to take out 50,000 shares of Delta. So it's going to take a pretty good report to pound it through there unless it takes it out today ahead of it. So you now think about that. If you come in in the morning and Delta's trading light volume and starts trading up to 61, but then starts to look like it's giving it back, then the 60 becomes a factor there once again. But these things typically can take out 50,000 shares on an earnings. It needs a catalyst. It will have the catalyst in the earnings report. So I would say it's, it's major resistance still for now until obviously it's taken out. At 8.34, we got about one minute before we bring on our guest today. And before we do that, let's pivot to retail and discuss uh, Lululemon. They are out this morning. They are raising their Q4 revenue guidance, not by a lot, but a raise is a raise. Uh, And they also are raising their diluted EPS guidance uh, by three cents from uh, 210 a share. I'm sorry, they're raising it by... 12 cents. They're raising it from a low of 210 a share to a low of 222 per share. So a Q4 EPS and uh, revenue raise for Lulu this morning. We'll talk about that and then we'll go to our guest. Such a good company, such a good stock, making new all-time highs. I do not like shorting stocks making new all-time highs. So I know if you get back, if you can't get up over the 239.47, then maybe there's some interest, but I think we're going to break out here today. And when there's nothing above you, how do you really find that resistance point? So if you're coming here and fading this up $6, saying it's too much for whatever guidance that they gave, I'll just say you're shorting a stock at an all-time high and have lost a lot of money shorting stocks at all-time highs. So path of least resistance, probably higher. Yeah, you're high. Your all-time high from last week, 239.47. That will be a minor support point now, a buck and a half away from that. Uh, someone got real excited here at uh, 7.15 a.m. and took it up to 44.98, 244.98, and a couple thousand shares have traded up at that level. So it just wasn't an odd lot. Uh, and when did, what do they report? They report a little bit later, right? Yeah, retail is always late. Yeah, they they, they may, late. Not, may not even have announced when they're reporting yet. Uh, let's find it out. It always ends earnings season. Banks start it, retail ends it. Let's find out if they've even announced it yet. They have not. No. 
Okay, uh, let's go to our guest now, Ryan Craver. He is the founder of Commerce Canal and a retail expert. Ryan, good morning. Good morning, everybody. How are you? Good. Did you see that Lulu headline this morning, and do you have thoughts on it? Lulu continues to be a top performer. Them and Costco, two big names that uh, I continue to be bullish on, and I think that they, I think they've got some room to run, and I do think they're going to make an all-time high today today okay uh what is the general what was your general sense ryan of the the holiday sales season we've had a lot of numbers past couple weeks uh costco was good macy's was meh what was your, your general sense of, of the holiday sales season yeah e-commerce was phenomenal as we saw pretty much anyone who reported their numbers whether it was national retail Federation, whether it was MasterCard or Shopify, everyone resoundingly said that e-commerce was very, very strong. I think that means that anyone who's part of the e-commerce ecosystem, Shopify, Facebook, MasterCard, Visa, uh, even the REITs like Prologis, all of those guys uh, probably saw a very strong holiday period given that the majority of the traffic moved online. Malls were incredibly weak, and if you don't have a strong .com for that mall weakness, you probably didn't do very well. So, you know, I wrote about today, uh, no one can save coal, including Amazon and the Ashley Olsen twins. Um, so I bet that all the department stores remained very, very weak. I think that if anyone was going into physical stores, it was going to be in the TJ Maxx's, the Ross's, or on the high end, like we talked about, uh, Lulu and Specialty, or the mass chains like Target and uh, our friends Costco. We're on the line with Ryan Craver, retail expert and founder of Commerce Canal. Uh, Ryan, we from the chat here, uh, we got a question here about Walmart. And uh, I guess if you took the opportunity to sell Walmart, was that earnings when it spiked to 125? It must have been. Now we've sold off actually below the level we were at before the report. Uh, give us your thoughts on Walmart. I think Walmart's in a very interesting position right now. So the underlying business continues to be strong. The dot-com's growing 30-plus percent. Um, and it looks like they're kind of uh, getting a, a little bit of stage fright on all this push for their own brands, for acquiring brands. So I think they, they, they got a little too drunk with acquisition of new brands. They realized that it's not necessarily something that's going to be profitable. And they're going back to who they are and where the majority of their business is, uh, which is the big brick-and-mortar stores and then anything that's cheap and cheerful online. So I think they're going through a little bit of a maturation process, and I think it's very, very good for them to do so. Um, so longer term, I'm now turning uh, bullish to Walmart because they have swallowed some of that profitability pill uh, from, from e-commerce. And how did you take the rumor last week that they were uh, looking at Grubhub? Yeah, so very, very difficult uh, place to be. <laughs> Grubhub is, is something that I, I would stay away from regardless of whether an acquisition would happen and then Grubhub pulled back on that. It's just a place that you don't want to fight the venture capital money. So you've got DoorDash and Postmates and 
all these other guys who are doing the exact same thing that are funded heavily by venture capital. And then you've also got, you know, companies like Uber who are going to push hard to, to get into the space to show some sort of growth. Um, and lastly, you've seen Square divest companies like Caviar because they know it's just a very tough business to be in. So I think it's a race to the bottom within this space. And those guys that are completely dependent upon delivery services, it's going to be difficult. That includes Grubhub. Uh, Ryan, I want to get your thoughts here on Five Below. They just announced their uh, holiday sales. Uh, comps were down 2.6%. And uh, we just saw a big red candle just a minute ago here. Big old red candle. Five below. It's down to 21 bucks, Ryan. I don't want to side it here, I yep. guess. Yep. Yeah, so they have been the darling, but they've continued to trade sideways uh, more recently. I think they were – everyone was in love with them as they were growing their store count. Now the law of large numbers and less new stores, um, making a big impact on their top line – starting to make people realize that the growth story is still not there. Um, they've even left the five below, meaning they are going for a product that's above $5 now. So I, I think that there is also some maturing that these guys are going through. Uh, this is not a name I would probably be in right now, obviously, uh, given, given where their guidance came in. Yeah, Mom, you're just making new lows as we speak. You have a step-down seller here. Pounding it, I um, I have to go to the monthlies here, and in uh, December of 2018, you had a low at 86.57. Don't think we'll see that today, but right now, uh, no, uh, five below under pressure. Uh, I want to ask you here about Amazon, and uh, it took a little while. I uh, had a long consolidation period, uh, but uh, my wife told me something kind of interesting uh, over the weekend. This is probably old news to you and everyone in the chat now. But when you mail stuff back to Amazon, you just you just take you don't have to put it in the package. You just you take it in there, and then they accumulate all the stuff, and then they're just sending out bulk packages. So, I mean, could they be be saving a ton of money? I, you know, if you're grouping everything together, you're getting a you know a bulk rate on sending these big packages. Do you think that this is you think this is just a little little blip on the radar or you think this is something that could substantially reduce their costs and holy macro you know when they they send stuff to you and you send it back and they pay for it that has to be a, a huge cost any comments on that yeah i think it's interesting to see who is tying themselves to amazon um you know ups has said very uh, upfront that they will take any and all returns that you want to provide through their stores. I think that this is a good thing longer term for them. Kohl's has said the same, and I think that I think <laughs> longer it. term – go ahead. No, 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 we know what happened to Kohl's after that. So, Yeah, no, but I, I, what I would say and I'd push back on is I actually believe it could have been much worse for Kohl's, not much worse in, in terms of taking the Amazon returns. I think if they didn't take the Amazon returns – um, that it would have been much, much worse. Um, you know, given the amount of volume we do on Amazon, I will say that a lot of the customers reach out and they tell us that they are taking their returns through Kohl's. So I, I see them doing a lot of business with that. I also like the placement of where they, they put it. It's like going into a Las Vegas casino. You can't find the exit. You can't find a way to return the items 
to Amazon. It's all the way in the back, so it forces them through the runway so that they potentially buy something. But, I mean, Amazon in general, I think that, yes, it traded sideways for quite a while. I think as it leads into the January 30th earnings call, they will continue to trade up for optimism of a, a huge uh, holiday season. Um, so I, I still think the, the main story on Amazon is intact. I think what's also interesting is they've started to pull back on promoting some of their brands. And I think that this is a proactive measure to try and get away from anything that the government may bring. Um, so I thought that that was an interesting move that no one really talked about. A couple stocks being dropped in our chat here. I want to ask you first about JD.com. you have thoughts there? JD.com. So, you know, you only really have two, three major names within the Chinese uh, sector to play within retail. I think JD.com, you know, was was getting a haircut for a long, long time, whether it was because of the founder and the allegations in Minneapolis, or it was because they thought that they were never going to beat Alibaba. I think longer term, JD is amazing. And I would, I would definitely pull, pull some up on any pullback. And how many uh, Canada Goose jackets do you own, Ryan? <laughs> um, we actually, uh, I was actually talking about this with my wife. So we were in that new Nordstrom store um, here, how is that here in 57. It's, it's a and half a million people, right? Yes, it's <laughs> massive. I mean, I, I watched her shop for a little bit, and then I found one of the bars because it was a Saturday night, and I just I was so over it. But what's interesting, when you go and look at the floor plan, both in the men's and the women's, Canada Goose used to be the only thing there. Um, and it's got a lot more competition amongst, you know, Moose Knuckles and Macage and Woolworth. There's all types of competition. Um, so I think on the department store front, they're going to struggle. With that said, they still have a very sizable dot-com business, and they have all their other stores. I think that this is getting into value territory. Um, I know it. I know it's been just slaughtered, but I, I'm looking at potentially getting back into Goose. I, I think this is a little bit overdone, personally. I think the coats are too warm. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> They are. They're, they're extremely warm. Uh, Ryan, I have one more for you uh, before we let you go there. Um, Macy's. I mean, the stock has been dead money for a long time, but I look at this chart, and I look you know, from the last quarter, and you know what? It's starting to look like it has a little bit of life, at least from a technical basis. What are your thoughts you know, on the fundamentals over there at, at Macy's? Nah. No. Not gonna do it. <laughs> no. Not gonna this do it. <laughs> I, I just, I, I think it's a death march. I mean, uh, I think it's a long, hard death march. Um, you know, something's gotta happen eventually because the slow but sure shutting of stores is not gonna be enough for them. Um, they had accelerated it at one point, and they were doing, you know, in batches of fifty and a hundred. Their most recent announcement was. Was, uh, I think it was 29 or 30 stores. I just I, I don't think they're moving fast enough, and I don't think any anything of what they're currently doing is going to save them. Um, so they're going to have to unlock value in some way, shape, or form. Um, so I I'm just I, I can't see anything positive with them unless unless you're playing a trade on on uh, any momentum swings or something. 
Uh, question from our chat on let's look at hmm. let's look at Skechers here. SKX. Uh, SKX, you know, they continue to unlock value with um, you know the copycat product as well as they have opened up their license portfolio quite a bit. So anything that's not shoes, they have licensed out to other manufacturers and, and wholesalers. And that's bringing a lot of positive margin. Um, so I, I think if, as long as they continue to do that and they continue to, you know, push forward on the global growth story, I think they've got a very strong narrative longer term. What about these REITs? I'm looking at Dotman Centers here. That's been on a major long-term decline. Simon Properties here. I mean, what's going to happen with these malls? What y'all look for malls in 2020? Malls, it's, it's really weak. I mean, everyone likes to say the A and Bs are going to be fine, but I think the A and Bs will also struggle uh, eventually. Um, you know, the C, the C malls are, are atrocious. You know, they're, they're dead zones. Yes, they're going to see some resurgence from, uh, you know, guys like Planet Fitness who are going to put uh, places in, in malls. But I think longer term, I would not play the malls. If you're going to play anything re related to macro trends, like the e-commerce trend, I think you got to play in the distribution space. We're going to get more and more warehouses. The warehouse cost per foot is going up because we're not building them fast enough. Um, yes, we've got guys like Target and Walmart distributing out of their stores, but I think guys like ProLogis who continue to build massive automated um, warehouses and distribution centers are going to continue to do very, very well. What was the symbol on that? PLD, Prologist. Yeah, I've looked at that stack before. All right, Ryan, before we let you go, just give us like a, like something that we're, we're not talking about now, but when we have you on the show a year from now and be talking about the retail sector, um, it could either be a surprise, something that you think has been undervalued or something that you just think is wildly overvalued. Uh, I... You know, you asked this question uh, last time before the holiday season. I'm going to stand behind Shopify. Um, you know, we, we have spoken about it. We probably haven't spoken about it as much until now because it's, it's back up to historic highs. I think what's interesting about Shopify is it is the engine for all of these uh, retailer websites. But more importantly, they're trying to now build a fulfillment network. So they're building their own warehouses. They will start to do distribution for all of these retailers. I think that that's not something that's necessarily spoken about. Um, so I think, yes, Shopify does look like it's at nosebleeds right now, but I think the five, 10-year story is intact. They're trying to take on Amazon as best they can, as, as well as riding the coattails of guys like Facebook and Instagram. I mean, you look at Shopify, and full disclosure, I own this one in my long-term portfolio, and I'm a value guy. This isn't the kind of stock that you know I'm typically in, but I look at it and I think that exactly like this is trying to take on Amazon. Like there is a lot of room here for this stock, and you know this is this is a pure growth story too. I mean, it could grow into some of these valuations that it's at. It's wild. It is. It is wild, and uh, what they've built is is pretty phenomenal. I can't tell you a client that we have that isn't using them in some way, shape, or form, whether it's through marketing, whether it's through their back end, or whether it's evaluating using them for fulfillment. So 
this little behemoth out of out of Canada continues to grow, and uh, I like it long term. All right, Ryan Craver is a retail expert, the founder of Commerce Canal. Ryan, thanks so much for the time, and have a good one. You too, guys. Thank you. All right. Uh, thanks, Ryan. Eight, 852. Here's a question, and it's an appropriate morning appropriate morning to ask this question here. We, uh, sure. we got a call. Someone called in and asked about AMC, and we did get the Oscar noms out this morning. Dennis, I know you saw all those all the movies nominated for Best Picture. But, uh, he, <laughs> Who got nominated? Who's nominated for Best Picture? Uh, the Best Picture nominees, I just had the list up. If only I'd have kept it up uh, a minute ago. Um, going from memory here we go nominees for best picture if you care ford vs ferrari the irishman jojo rabbit joker little women marriage story 1917 which i'm gonna see soon once upon a time in hollywood and parasite those are your the only one i saw was joker which is pretty i good. saw that i watched that on friday did, did you like it a little bit too the first half i liked and then it just got too much killing but I guess you know where you were going to that. I, so I didn't, I didn't, you know what the Joker's all about. Hey, if, if that guy doesn't Wait, win... You both saw it and I didn't. Uh, yeah, I, if, I if, if that guy doesn't win Best Actor... Oh, he's awesome. That, then... Joaquin Phoenix? He's yes, just a phenomenal. Yeah, that I is, mean, think yeah. about Gladiator. You know, back when he was in Gladiator, he was just such a great villain in that. Yeah. I mean, he is a phenomenal actor. They're, you know, very yeah. underrated. I'm I'm, I'm going to recommend a movie I haven't seen yet, but 1917 looks like the, the if you want a reason to go to the movies with the big screen and the big sound, that is a reason to go to the movies. 1970. It's about World War One. I. I haven't seen it yet, but it looks unbelievable. That being said, let's get back to the question. No, I, I also want to see uh, Bad Boys with uh, Martin, no, you don't. Martin Lawrence. You do not I want love to Martin. All I right. do not love Martin. Martin's good, but you, you, right. Bad Boys 7? AMC, Dennis. Because right. I, I have. What's I, the question? AMC stock. What do they want to know about it? They just want our thoughts. About they want to know when it's going when they when it's going under or no? They don't want what's going under. <laughs> uh, that's a joke. But I just you know this is hard to get on board with the big theater. We have hated AMC on this show probably for years. So and obviously stock price is a lot higher years ago. There, you know, is this something? Is there meat on the bone? Is short at six bucks? I don't know. But I'm not coming in here and being bullish either. It could squeeze. It's been straight down. The trend is, oh, it's oversold. That's the only thing going for you. It is oversold, but it's oversold for a reason. And that reason is still that there isn't as many people going to the physical movie theater as there used to be. Two, and they're fighting. The I, I, I'll I, let you the other side. What were you saying, Spencer? At least they have a subscription model now. Right? They're trying different things. I mean, the, it's oversold. There's no doubt it's oversold. But, I mean, these things can stay oversold. And the fundamentals are just so bad. I think eventually AMC is lower yet. So it's hard for me to just time a bounce. I mean, it's due for a bounce, but that's all it would be, in my opinion, is a bounce. I just can't get on board the AMC story. I know people see the 12% dividend. Um, and, and and is that still intact? Like I see a 12% on my, on my screen here. I'm assuming that's still there. Um, and people get attracted to that, but I cannot possibly think that's safe. I, I have an interesting fundamental take on this. Uh, went down to uh, my hometown Monroe yesterday for a swimmers reunion and I hung out with my buddy DP and he was over someone's house and they have, is it these uh, Oculus? Is it mm-hmm. the, and he, he was, he was, he was boxing, he was bowling, he was watching movies and he thinks that, they're going to take over the world. There's going to be absolutely no reasons for movie theaters that 
it will, I'll be able to have my headset on and I'll be able to watch a movie and Dennis, you'll be over in Canada and it will be like, I'm like, you're sitting next to me and I can talk to you. He said the virtual reality, it, he said, he said he doesn't even see need for um, theaters. And he also thinks that it, uh, TV is gone too. I mean, this is blockbuster all over again, AMC, in my opinion. Yep. Um, obviously, you know, you went to the VHS and, you know, you went to your rental store on your Friday night back in your 80s and you rented a couple of movies and you bought a couple of snacks and you came home and watched the movies. Um, eventually, they're going to stream the big movies right into your home. Um, and, you know, you're going to pay for those. But, you know, what's stopping, let, let's just say, you know, this is all hypothetical here, but what's stopping Disney Plus from saying, well, we'll throw, you know, the new release right on Disney Plus here, but it's going to cost you, you know, 10 bucks to watch it. It's right in your screen. And then they don't have to even, like, I, I just see that eventually happening. That, you know, people are already ripping off the movies. We know that. You can go on YouTube and sometimes you can see these, you know, camp versions or whatever. But it's always been done. But I think eventually you're going to be watching big screen movies right on your Netflix, right on your, your, your streaming apps. As they're coming out, they're going to be released and they're going to be on there and you're going to have to pay for them on there, those individual movies. But I think that's where it's going eventually. And that's why it's hard for me to get on board with the big movie theater where, you know, you've got so many expenses. They're huge. I mean, um, you know, obviously the rent and everything else that they're to operate these things, the utilities, it's so difficult. And AMC stock is just a poster child for that. So nothing wrong with AMC management, just it's a tough business here now. Stock was $35 back in 2017. It's six bucks. From a technical basis, this looks like it's just on the death march. So I can't get on board with AMC. Plus, even if, it, even if it's due for a bounce. If you've ever worked in a movie uh, theater or know someone who has, you know that they've always made their money on the concessions, not on the movie. Oh, for sure. Money on the concessions. So, um, but if you're not going into those physical movie theaters, it's yeah. trouble brewing. I just don't see. I don't, it's not as much of a local. It's not as much as a as a thing to do, I don't think, for our kids nowadays. Like when we were kids, Joel's was a big thing. Go to the movies. You know, yeah, you go, out, you, you go out on a date. Yes, you yeah, you go to the movies movie. and you do stuff. Yeah. Now they're yeah, Netflix and chill. <laughs> what did you say? You ask her on a date and you go to a place where you don't talk for three hours. <laughs> it's it's great, a great idea. Um, well, for what it's worth, Joker led the way with 11 nominations. So, Joel, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, it was good. Lisa was not happy with me. She was like, she kind of went with you with uh um, too violent. Yeah, but I mean, you kind of like if you, you know Batman. I mean, if you grew up on Batman. And yeah, but Batman, Batman wasn't that. It was really violent. This Joker in the last twenty minutes, half an hour was really violent. Okay. AMCX though, are you still in that one, Dennis, or did you get rid of? Oh, that? I'm out of it. I, I've been out of that for a long time, and I mean, we thought content was, um, you know, and this is a content play for me more than anything. But AMCX2 is a problem that they're basically been The Walking Dead for a long time. A couple other big series they had, but the big time Walking Dead. And then Lester's starting to come off that show, too. Um, I, I sold it back in the 60s, and I never got back. And I thought about getting back in a 50, but then just the content plays all together have not worked whatsoever. I mean, there's been the odd one that's held up, but they really haven't worked. And, and obviously, you know, Viacom, if you just want to go there and look at the big one, Viacom CBS, which we don't talk about a lot on the show, VIAC. I mean, this stock is trading, what, like four or five times earnings here now? So cheap, but it's, you know, uh, it's the business. Where's the growth? Where? Show me the growth. This market is all about growth. If we're going into a big bull market here, and here's a question for all of you traders out there. You're going to this big bull run. Do you want to own stocks? You know, if you think, you know, the S&Ps are going to 4,000 or 5,000, do you want to own stocks like AMC and Viacom or do you want to own stocks like Shopify? I mean, it's the growth stocks that get the love in this market. It's got a story. 
There's no story with Viacom anymore. There's no story with AMC. The Shopify story is awesome. I mean, like Ryan was just saying, and yeah, the valuation is nosebleed, but you think about what they're trying to accomplish over there and the whole Canadian aspect I love of it as well, just because it's not a lot of big tech stocks in Canada. I mean, these are the kind of stocks that I believe are going to power us if you believe we're going to the next bull run. If you think we're going in a bear market, those are the ones that are going to get killed more. Obviously, the betas are higher on these things. So if you're really bearish, I mean, I don't know why you don't own any stocks, but um, if you really think this market is still going to continue its merry run, I think it's going to be Shopify stocks like that that lead the way. A bullish note uh, on Roku this morning from DA Davidson. And although they're not upgrading the stock, they just gave some bullish commentary. Speaking of the analysts here, I'll just run through the analysts. Yeah, we didn't do anything. Real quickly, uh, NVIDIA upgraded to neutral with Needham. Thanks a lot. So they're uh, throwing the towel there. Morgan Stanley uh, upgrading a few stocks this morning. Team. T-E-A-M at Atlassian Corporation. That's ahead of earnings. To overweight. Yeah, yep. uh, Viva Systems, V-E-V, also to overweight there. Uh, Oxy to overweight M. Morgan. And uh, Apache and Conshell Resources, both to uh, equal weight there. What else do we have here? We have, there's a lot. I'm just going through. So many. IBM got downgraded. I didn't, yeah. get, I, I didn't get the downgrades. Yeah, downgrades. We have IBM downgrade at Evercore to uh inline we also have a downgrade uh to where's the big one that i saw uh oh, yeah morgan stanley downgrading proofpoint docusign and checkpoint software checkpoint downgrade to underweight docusign and proofpoint down to equal weight spotify downgraded evercore to underperform this morning so a uh, big downgrade there also autodesk downgrade to neutral bernstein a lot of uh tech downgrades this morning interesting yeah just a lot of action here overall and i mean that's always the consideration here when you're trading you know obviously ratings days are always big on mondays and tuesdays the analysts get their notes out there it slows down thursdays and fridays i'd expect a lot more analyst ratings tomorrow as well sometimes they're dotting the i's and crossing their t's on their monday morning on their big report and they're going to get it out tuesday so or monday night so you know you expect a lot more analyst action here in the the next couple days as well whether you love them or you hate them they move stocks you know, and a big thing that we talk about, and that big thing that's moving stocks every single morning are the ratings. And you get a big upgrade from something that hasn't had some love in a while, you'll see those stocks left. And then you have other stocks like Goldman. It's like it's like its fourth upgrade in a row. So they're having more muted activity here now uh, just because, well, the story has already been, you know, upgraded by three other analysts ahead of you. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, analysts move stocks, though. All right, SP is leaking just a tad here, down or up nine and a quarter, down from that pre-market high of seventy-eight and a quarter. Uh, just be aware of that old-time high, thirty-two eighty-seven, that was made Friday in the uh, pre-market trading. On the downside, holding mid-range here, thirty-two seventy-two keeps us in our bullish mode. Uh, below that, obviously, your pre-market low at sixty-five and a half is right by your close at sixty-four seventy-five. So. Green on the screen today. Let's see if we can take it out, make another new all-time high. I want to give you a couple big levels here. Alibaba, 190,000 shares to sell at 230. That is enormous. So if you're buying here up at 228.55 this morning, just be aware that a dollar and a half higher, you have a major, major seller. And that can obviously you know, uh, impact where the price goes. And I think it may struggle to get through there the first time. 
Also, JV Speck was letting me know on Coca-Cola, you got a major seller up there just at the point again at $56, uh, 250,000 shares for sale at $56. We talked about the Delta seller already there at 60. Pfizer as well, if you want to look at that one, we got $40 on, and that's a big number for it. 340,000 shares to sell in Pfizer at 40 PFE. So these are all major resistance points for these stocks. All right, that'll do it for our show. Thanks to our guest, Ryan Craver. Thanks to all of you in our chats. As always, catch our podcast on any podcast platform or on youtube.com slash TV. Please remember all the information from our show meant to be used as informational purposes only and not for investing or trading advice. Everyone have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you on Tuesday.